You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Right now, there is no stopping the Cleveland Indians. Welcome to the Streak Podcast. In 2017, the Cleveland Indians went on an unprecedented, record-setting 22-game winning streak. You may never see anything quite like this again. For the next three weeks, you can hear each game as it happened, night after night, on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. History continues to march on. On the Streak Podcast, we'll get the stories from the players, coaches, manager Terry Francona, and others. From the voice of the tribe, Tom Hamilton and Jim Rosenhouse. Now, let's relive one of the greatest stretches of play in Indians and baseball history. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 13 of The Streak. I'm Jim Rosenhouse, and along with the voice of the tribe, Tom Hamilton, we are bringing you some of the great moments and main characters of the Indians' 22-game win streak, the record-setter back at the tail end of the 2017 season, all coinciding with the radio broadcasts of those games taking place right now on the Cleveland Clinic Indians radio network as well as Indians.com. Now, in a little bit, we'll hear from former Tribe Relief pitcher Dan Otero with his thoughts on the remarkable three-week stretch for the Indians. But first, a look back at wins number 13 and 14. The Indians were in Chicago for the second game of a four-game series, and if ever there was a game that looked like it might upend the streak, this was the one. As the Indians did score three runs in the top of the first inning, but in the bottom half of the inning, Danny Salazar had a rough one. The Tribe starter couldn't make it out of the inning, and the White Sox scored four times to take the lead. But even though they were called upon in the first inning, the Indians' bullpen was lights out the rest of the way, and it didn't take long for the Tribe to tie things up, thanks to Jose Ramirez, who was already having a big night. Now the 2-2. Breaking ball, swung on, blasted, deep left center, this game is tied! A hanging breaking ball, and Jose Ramirez has done it again! A solo blast to left center, and we have got ourselves a 4-4 game, and Jose Ramirez has his third multi-homer game on this road trip. Then in the third inning, Rookie outfielder Greg Allen gave the Tribe a lead they wouldn't turn back. The set and the pitch. A swing and a shot to third. It's by Sanchez. Down the left field line for extra bases. Geyer scores the go-ahead run. Gomes will try to score. Here's the throw to the plate. Not in time. In to score with a head first slide is Gomes. Allen in a rundown between second and third. And he is tagged out. But what a job by Greg Allen. The young man gets his first Major League RBI, and he gets two of them. It's his first Major League extra base hit. A two-out, two-run double. And the Indians are back on top, 6-4 to four in the middle of the third. And in the end, the Penn threw eight and a third innings of scoreless baseball to give the Tribe its 13th win in a row. The next night, the Indians had a chance to equal the franchise record for consecutive wins at 14. And this time, they rode the right arm of Carlos Carrasco, who pitched an absolute gem. The pitch swung on a roller headed to first. Santana jogs to the bag himself, makes the play himself. Oh, my goodness, is Carrasco 
Impressive tonight. 84 pitches through eight innings of work. Wow. Four nothing Indians. The ninth inning is coming up. Carrasco comes set, the one-two pitch. Swung on a dribbler, rolled toward second. Gonzalez gloves, throws, got him! Ball game! The Indians make it 14 straight. They equal the club record for the longest winning streak in franchise history. A record they set one year ago. And a chance to break it tomorrow night with arguably the best pitcher in the American League in Corey Kluber. The Indians with a 5-1 to win over Chicago. Funny fact, if you have a sense of humor and are a Diamondbacks fan, Arizona started a lengthy win streak the same day that the Indians began theirs in 2017. But the Diamondbacks streak ended at 13, which in any other season would be hailed as tremendous, and it was. But the Indians were really just getting started on their streak at that point. Now the winning pitcher... In win number 13 for the Tribe was reliever Dan Otero. He threw two scoreless innings on a night where the Tribe pen had to rise to the occasion. Otero had a fine four-year stint with the Indians, a 10-2 record over those four seasons, an ERA of 3.33, and a valuable member of that Tribe bullpen. He signed this past offseason with the Yankees as a free agent, but as you can tell from our visit, Dan Otero has fond memories of his time in Cleveland. Yeah, well, first off, thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, I want to just say that our four years there as a family was unbelievable in Cleveland. And uh, we really enjoyed every moment of it from the city and from the place we lived in Avon and just to the, you know, the baseball staff and everything happened at the stadium. But, uh, yeah, the 22-game win streak, it was uh, it was crazy. And it was something that we didn't really, I think, know what was going on until probably about 10 or 11 games. And we just knew we were going to win. You know, we just showed up to the ballpark kind of knowing we were going to win. And it was a very weird way, very hard to explain, but it's not like we shied away from it either. It wasn't, the, it wasn't one of those things either where it was like, oh, let's not talk about it. Like it was openly talked about in the clubhouse. And it was just, who's going to be the person today that steps up to help us win? And when you look back on it, obviously the offense was cranking. Uh, you outscored teams by 105 runs during the, the 22 <laughs> games. But it, it seemed like, I mean, the pitching ERA was under two. And, and is mm-hmm. that is that how that type of thing could ever happen if it does? Yeah, I mean, I think starting pitching dictates everything. And obviously that year we had five of the best starting pitchers in the game. And you had a healthy Kluber. You had a dominant Bauer. You had a healthy Carrasco. You had a Clevenger who was coming into his own. I think you had JT still there. And so it's just like every time out, you had a chance to win, you know, and then on top of that, they were all peaking at the right time. So it was almost like the other team never even got a lead because they just put up zeros for the first three or four innings. And then it also seemed like with uh, Hosey and Frankie at the top of the order, we were up one or two, nothing every inning, every first inning. And when you look back on it, it you mentioned that, you know, not a whole lot of close games, good pitching, early leads, all that kind of good stuff. From a bullpen perspective, and it didn't seem like anybody was overused. And sometimes in a streak, you can chase wins, and it it adds up to a lot of work and maybe too much. But uh, did you feel like everyone kind of pitched as normal, or, or maybe even less so because of the starting pitching? Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I think it helped that we we're in September, so you had an expanded roster, and Tito doesn't really want to overuse guys, anyways. 
And with the way we were winning games, he didn't really have to use guys back-to-back days or three days in a row or anything like that. And he also had probably an eight to 10 man pen that he could rely on. So if a guy pitched one day, he didn't really have to use him the next day. And everybody just kind of stepped into the roles and did what they were supposed to do. And it was, <laughs> it was really, really fun. And it, obviously a lot of people taking part in that. And there were some games where the bullpen had to step to the forefront. I want to bring one up in particular uh, in Chicago. Uh, it was game 13 of the streak. And a rarity, a starting pitcher did not pitch well. Danny Salazar did not make it out of the first inning that night. And you had to unload the bullpen, and, and everyone got the job done. Do you do you recall that game coming in early and, and pitching well enough to get a win? Yeah, vaguely, because we knew it was Salazar, I think, first start back. And we knew he was kind of on some sort of pitch count anyway. Um, so anytime a guy comes back for his first start, you're kind of always on high alert. You don't know what to expect. And he got into some trouble in that first inning. I think Goody actually came in in the first inning and uh, was able to get out of it. And I think we're down 4-2, to two, if I'm not mistaken. So we still had a 2, two nothing lead at the, the start of that game. But we gave it right back. And then I think it only took, what, an inning and a half or two innings later, and we had the lead. And, you know, that was the end of it. Uh, so it was just kind of one of those things. Um, you just kind of come in and, you know, do your job. And my job that day was to – throw a couple innings, so I did, and then handed the ball off to the next guy, which I think was Zach, and then he handed it off to the next guy, which was probably Olsen, and then Shaw, and then Joe Smith, and then probably Chicken to end it, you know, so it was just uh, the way it went. I, I think you nailed every one of those guys. Uh, <laughs> you know, you look back on it, and it seemed like it happened a couple of times in the 2016 season, once in the in the postseason in the ALCS, mm-hmm. um, and then obviously at that point in the streak, but it seemed like when a starter did not do well or there was an injury and it meant all hands on deck for the bullpen, I mean, I mean, it just seemed every time they pitched really, really well and somehow the Indians would get back in a game. Were those, are those kind of fun games for a pen that were, you know that everyone's going to have an opportunity and, and try and keep a game close? They're definitely fun games when they work out in your favor. Um, it's, not, it's not something you want to uh, get used to doing because it's really hard to sustain over the course of a season, but yeah, I think in September or August of 16, we had the scary injury with Carrasco when he's facing off against Verlander at our place. And he gets knocked out in the first inning, I believe, on a line drive back at him by Kinsler. And then we end up, as a bullpen, throwing, I think, 10 scoreless innings. And I don't think anybody threw more than four or five outs. And we matched Verlander for 10 innings, and we ended up winning one nothing. And so it was kind of after that game, it's like, oh, we can do this. And it was a you know, an eclectic group of pitchers that pitched in that game. It wasn't always the Millers or the Shaws or the Allens. You know, it was anybody down there, whoever Tito called on. And then when we did it in the playoffs, we expected to do it. And I think that's a big part of it is expecting to be successful when you're put in those situations. I hear you say expecting to, to do it, knowing you're going to win as part of the streak and, and that mindset that kind of took shape. Uh, how about when the team came off the road? I think the streak was at 15 at that point. Uh, and then the national media started to get involved. Is that when mm-hmm. it really started to feel like something special was going on? Um, yeah, that was fun. I mean, I think 15 was that break our streak from the previous year. Mm-hmm. And then it also gave everybody free windows <laughs> yes. in, in the city. And it was also it was also a funny number because early in the year when we were not playing very well, we got reamed out in Colorado. 
Um, we had we had a two game series in Colorado, sandwiched by off days. I forgot where we came from, but we flew into Colorado, had an off day, played two games in Colorado. I think we had to listen to Charlie Blackman's walkout song like 13 times over a two day span, which is never a good thing. And Tito rips into us and says, "You guys better start playing better. You can't expect to win 15 games in a row like last year." And sure enough, you know, a couple months later, we did. So we kind of showed him. But uh, <laughs> did anyone go back and call him out on that and said, "Oh, 100 percent." I think I'm pretty sure everybody did. <laughs> everybody walked into his office and said, "See, we we can do it, T." Um, but yeah, and then the national media gets a hold of it, and then it feels like you're in a playoff game every game and every day, and it was fun. When you look back at at the last game of the streak. Uh, mm-hmm. dramatic ending, the team on the ropes, mm-hmm. uh, down to its last strike, sends it to extra innings. Uh, what do you remember about that night? Uh, still that we're going to win. Um, I think I was still in the bullpen. I think I pitched that game. And Frankie was up in the ninth to try to tie it. It's just kind of like, all right, we're going to do it. It's just a matter of how it was going to happen. And then for a second, we all thought Gordon was going to catch in left field because he catches everything out there. And just the fans, the noise. I mean, it felt like you were in a World Series game almost from the previous year. Like it was that loud. The energy was that good. And I'm getting goosebumps now just thinking about it and talking about it. Because it was that exciting. It was very memorable. And I think the next night, I think Frankie had a chance again in the ninth. We're down one. He did. And and we, we were all like, oh, we're going to win. Like it's still, we're going to win. And, you know, for, unfortunately, he didn't come through that time. But... You know, it was still like, no, well, we're still going to do it. And, yeah, I don't know. It's just that expectation of always believing that we're going to come through. Jay Bruce gets that, that game-winning hit in what turned out to mm-hmm. be the final game of the streak. It's funny. It, you know, he was probably with the team the least amount of time of anybody who went through that streak but had a major impact. And, mm-hmm. obviously, you're in the pen, and, and, you know, they say pitchers and position players, uh, maybe they don't socialize as much or, or whatever but from your perspective teammate wise what did he bring to the ball club during that that long stretch uh he brought instant professionalism i mean he came over i think we were all i think we we're in tampa we found out we we're going to acquire him and there's a few of us talking about it and sure enough i think the next day he showed up and all the stuff that we'd heard about him was true you know he was an awesome teammate awesome guy and the unique thing about that team also was that it was it really wasn't a pitcher position player segregated type team. You know, everybody was together and we did a lot of things off the field together. We had a lot of families on the team, a lot of kids. So there was a lot of interaction between all types of positions. And I got to know him a little bit, actually, my six, seven weeks as a teammate with him. And he lived up to all the all the hype that we'd heard about him in terms of a teammate. So he's kind of brought that instant professionalism and kind of stabilized the lineup a little bit because he was able to play right field, I think, every game, and that's where we were kind of struggling. You mentioned um, earlier the, the time in Cleveland, a lot of fun. You've been fortunate enough to, to be putting together a real nice major league career now. Uh, those three weeks, at, as fun a time as you've had in the game? Absolutely. I mean, it definitely was, and it's something I think we'll be able to look back on even further down the road and almost appreciate it even more. Cause I don't know if any team is going to come close to that for a while. You know, I know 10, 11 games happens 
pretty regularly on a year-to-year basis, but you know you don't see many games, any many streaks get over the 14-15 mark, and you know 22 is crazy. You know, just to think about it. And I think two or three of them were doubleheader sweeps, which very rarely happen in its own right. And Dan Otero, just for for fans who who uh, may be curious, hey, what are you up to? You mentioned at the start uh, your time in Cleveland was awesome. Uh, first time for you, you went to spring training in in Florida instead of Arizona. And, and how things how are things in a, in a different camp for the first time in a while for you? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely different. Anytime you show up to a new uh, organization, it kind of takes a while to get used to the way they communicate and the way things are done. But it was uh, it was good. Obviously, you know, we ended prematurely, and our focus right now is to stay safe, and I'm doing everything we can with my family to keep us safe and keep us busy and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it was a good, uh, good spring training, and hopefully uh, at some point get to uh, see those guys again soon. Well, Dan, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts on on a, a really neat time for the Indians back in 2017, the streak. And uh, best of luck. Hopefully we'll have some baseball to, to watch this summer at some point. Yeah, hope so. Thanks a lot, Rosie. That's former Indians reliever Dan Otero, hoping to make that Yankees ball club when play resumes. Now, if you're listening to this podcast on Monday, May the 18th when it drops, don't forget to tune in tonight to the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network and Indians.com for game number 15 of the streak, once again from Chicago, as the Indians try to set a new franchise record for consecutive wins. And spoiler alert, if you're tuned to this podcast and you've been listening to the street games on the Cleveland Clinic Indians radio network. Well, you know what's going to happen. They're going to win the ball game. But still fun to tune in and uh, find out what happens tonight. And that'll do it for this episode of The Streak. Thanks going out to Brian Matze and Bob Coates at iHeartMedia for their production help. Bart Swain and Courtberry Tripp from Indians PR. And also thanks to Dan Otero for stopping by. I'm Jim Rosenhouse. Thanks for taking the time to listen. And we'll talk to you next time on The Streak. The Indians historical streak marches on. Thanks for listening to the Streak Podcast. The inside stories from one of the greatest stretches of play in Indians and baseball history. Your companion to the nightly game broadcast on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network.